Hello and welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Robbie. And me, Seb. That was the uh, unusual got... <laughs> change round this time. I got I... you. I, I got you. It's a Valentine's Day special, so yeah. I thought I'd uh, kick things off this. Robbie's this on top today, apparently. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm on top. You just thrown off thought... every listener. All of our listeners <laughs> are used to me being the soothing voice of their welcoming. And you've just fucked their brain. <laughs> I know. I just, I just go for I went for the jugular today. Um, and I have a question for you, Seb. What, what do you get? This isn't a, this isn't a joke. I think of what do you get when you cross a mentally ill loader with a society that hates them. But what do you get when you cross sex and the city with? I know what you did last summer. You get today's film, Valentine, Valentine. two thousand and one. That's the easiest way I could describe this film because, I mean. I, it kind of has the vibe of Sex and the City in this strange way in which basically all of the main cast are females and they're all yeah. focused. I mean, I've, I've bear in mind, I've only watched one episode of Sex and the City. <laughs> <laughs> that was with Adam a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I was going to say, I've much... watched all of Sex and the City and I would say, um, I'm sure some people would take offence of you saying that the... Um that if it's females, it has to be sex in the city. <laughs> no, I don't. But more what I mean is it's it's about four central women characters yeah. who yeah. are mostly concerned with the kind of dating and sex life. Um, because that's a lot of the, the conversation around these women. But then we also get a whodunit slasher in there. Um, and this is one of the... I think when this film came out in 2001, I remember catching it kind of um, late night shortly after it had been out, uh, maybe only a few years later. Um, and it's, it is a very of its time, early 2000s slasher. But I think it's very underrated in a lot of ways as well. Um, I think when it first came out, it was kind of critically panned as being something that could have you know too close to an 80 slasher um and my kind of response to that is well you know why do you think i'm here like you know <laughs> yeah. it's it's kind of great in that um and when when we rewatched it back recently i definitely get a strong 80s kind of influence from it oh yeah absolutely um 
I mean, I, yeah, I, I honestly, going into, I had not watched this since, uh, literally since I was, I was a kid. So this brought back memories for me because it was literally, we'd mentioned, uh, we've mentioned before about like when you, when you used to go down to the video store and you used to pick out yeah. like, films and stuff like that. And this was one of those films where um, I'd go to the video store and I picked out this film. And obviously, the other thing is kind of like you, I guess, because uh, you you rented this off of Amazon Prime, and um, I believe you watched it more than once because you wanted to make the most out of. I did the fact you was off for it to rent it. Um, well, yeah, I, I was off work ill, so watch it twice. Why not? Yeah, and I, I that was um, me back in. Oh, I was probably like I don't know, way younger than I should have been watching a horror film. <laughs> I don't know, ten years old or so. Yeah. But, um, I wanted to borrow this film and, and I, I watched it and I remember if I had that on on the video on video on the video on, on the video, video. <laughs> I was just I would just watch them again and again I would watch like I remember I had like Scream Free I remember renting that and just literally I watched it like we had a seven days of the film and I was literally there like watching it probably every day like watching Scream yeah. Free again and again and I think I did the same with this one I remember I I think what I also used to do is I used to have like I'd watch it and then I'd ask if my if my friends wanted to come over and watch it and we'd watch it again and then I'd watch it probably yeah. with my family as well so it'd be watched so many times so this properly brought back memories and I remember in my head thinking that I enjoyed it when I was younger but I wasn't sure because I mean I've been burned a few times by films that I've come back revisited of this kind of style and been like ah oh, that was that was tame that was that was boring that was really dull in comparison like that was a that was a poor scream ripoff because let's be honest yeah. this is that era of scream ripoff well it's, it's the you know it's an 80 slasher but it's it's building on the hype that had come from Scream's like big, and this was like obviously a good five years later than the first Scream, but it was kind of building from that hype, and you can see that in some of the who done it parts of this story. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing about the one amazing thing that Scream did about a lot of these slashers is it it kind of it brought in this element of who done it. Um, I know we kind of. We had some of those previously with films like Prom Night and, and, you know, My Bloody Valentine, which we did last year for Valentine's Day. Um, so go check that out. But um, it kind of has this whodunit kind of running through it. Um, and I know that so Valentine is kind of loosely based on a novel um, of the same yeah. name by Tom Savage. Um, but it was it was directed by Jamie Blanks, who also did... Um, I think he did the first Urban Legends. So, he did, yeah. I mean, yeah, he was kind of, he was about when the when this wave of whodunit slashers were then, you know, he, he kind of earned his earned his teeth working in that, you know. I don't know if that's the same, had, earned uh, his teeth or cut yeah. his teeth. Well, he, like Jamie, <laughs> uh, Jamie Blanks has quite, it's quite interesting because you mentioned before, I know what you did last summer. And um, he is quite interesting because um, he actually sent, uh, he made a video, uh, like a trailer that he created himself uh, for, um, to the producers of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, but not necessarily. It was to the studio that had the rights for I Know What You Did Last Summer, but he didn't know yeah. necessarily if a film was being made yet. And he actually sent them the, a videotape of a trailer he'd made based on the book of yeah. this is a book again that was also based on a book um and um 
that's when they kind of said that this is great and this is fantastic, but sadly we've already got a director we're actually already making. I know what you did last summer. He's like an Australian director. He didn't, he didn't know this, but he was pretty much, he'd never made a feature film before that. And he had very little experience, like experience, but he'd impressed them so much with this trailer uh, that they gave him Urban Legend. They, they decided, yeah, like, this is so impressive. We think you could pull off a good. And, you know, Urban Legend is also another one that I think at times a little bit underrated. It's more successful yeah. than Valentine. Um, but I know it, that it's, it, 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 it's, it's almost on the, on the fringe of the conversations when people are talking about the, you know, the great slashers of the 90s. People will mention, people will straight away go to Scream and I know what you did last summer. But then you'll get the cult, you know, the cult favourites such as Urban Legends um, yeah. and Valentine kind of does fit in with one of those, I would think. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it's, I'm it's, going uh, back to yeah. what we were saying when we were watching it when we were young. Um, yeah. Is a, I remember I probably only watched this a couple of times Um when it was on late night TV and that kind of stuff. Um, I remember films kind of, they would come out and then maybe 18 months later, they would get a run on late night TV. Um, yeah. And I, I, so I probably caught it then, still being about 12, maybe 13. Um, and a lot, there was a lot of this that still stuck in my head um, because it, it's, it was so well done and so kind of cool at the time that it, I, a lot of this stuck in my head. I got characters switched over at points, um, but the ending always stuck with me because it was one that I loved yeah. um, and certain deaths always stuck with me. And there was one moment in particular, which we'll talk about later when we get to it, that has always stuck with me. Um, but I think when, because I, I, I mean, I, I actually came up with the, this month's, um, schedule for episodes didn't i because you've been extremely busy normally you're the one who does that so if people enjoy yeah. our content it's mainly because seb's curating it <laughs> um but this month i was like yeah let's do this and then i remembered well we've got valentine's day coming up why don't we do valentine's a film that yeah. i've wanted to see for a long time so let's do it but actually look at it kind of go through there and there's a lot in this film that i completely forgot about but it's so well done. Um, I mean, do you want to yeah. say anything more about what you were saying before we jump into it? Um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, as as you kind of mentioned uh, anyway, but it's, I, I, I completely agree that this is like, to me, like, it's easy to look at this film and maybe look at the cast and stuff like that and go, oh, these are just all mid-2000s TV stars or or actors who's maybe flamed out a little bit over time, not really that big anymore. And you can look at it and go, that's probably a trash horror movie. Yeah. Well, I, think... I mean, let's go through the casting. We've yeah, got so... um we've got Denise Richards um as Paige Prescott, who if I remember correctly at the time, she I mean she, I everybody had a crush on her in Starship Troopers, um, and then she did Wild Things. Was, yeah. was that was that with Neve Campbell? She did with that. Neve Campbell, with, yeah, with yeah. Neve Campbell, um, and then obviously when she was the Bond girl, everybody was in, had a crush on her as well. Yeah, um, and those were the ones that kind of stuck out for me most when I was when I think about Denise Richards. Um, yeah, we had she had some section. quite big stuff, didn't she? Some quite yeah. big films yeah. and stuff. She was she was the kind of the biggest actress 
actor actor in this film. I think Ooh. she's the te- she's the top line name here. And then, well, then we have the sexual man, um, your favorite, David Boreanaz, um, who was obviously, I think, at this time, uh, he's obviously been in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I think Angel might have just started. I can never remember if Angel had started by then or had started a little I, bit I, later. I think around the time of the, the year, I think the same time it was released, but I think he might have been more, he was going, yeah, I think he was going from Buffy to just the beginning of Angel at this point. But we yeah, forget a- how Angel big was that was. Oh, was so it? Angel okay, was so he, just, yeah. he had just, he'd done the first season or two then. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we had um, Mary Shelton, um, who did who I always, you know, she's uh, she kind of did some stuff later on. I loved her. I love her as Judy Hicks. I always forget that, um, you know, she was in this. So when I watched this back, it was kind of a, it was kind of a surprise. Um, yeah, me too. She looked, she looks pleasant. different to me. She looks, she well, looks slightly different to me. But it's, it's a big time gap. I understand. Yeah, that, there's, yeah, there's something about the face that I was like, I, I know that that's her, but she definitely looks different <laughs> in this form. <laughs> Pleasantville as well. I think she she was in Pleasantville. Classic. Um, Je- Jessica Chapshaw, who I think was mainly doing kind of TV stuff. And then somebody who I never remembered was in this um, and only kind of has a short appearance, but is uh, Catherine... Um, Heigel, I can never yeah. pronounce it. Heigel. Catherine Heigel. I always, I, I never knew she was in this film um, because I think she obviously had her boom later with um, Knocked Up. You know, there was a period where Catherine Heigel was in everything after Knocked Up. Um, yeah, and I completely forget that she's in this film, and she has the part, the small part that she does have, is so cool. You know, um, and I remember, but I don't remember it being her. And that's what I mean about this film is a lot of it was imprinted in my brain, but it was other characters. It was not knowing who that person was. Yeah. Um, and if yeah, even, that... I mean, just to, to jump straight into it, um, I think well, the, the oh, before you first. So, so I, I just <laughs> had a bit like building on that kind of cast thing and the Catherine Heigl. Um, kind of being part of this, um, it was is a weird thing because when I when I uh, before I before I actually watched the film again, I went to look for a trailer from the time. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this film, but the main trailer that was released for it was only really a teaser trailer. So it's okay. a really odd one. It, it's an odd trailer where you've got a woman lying on like a sunny day, kind of on the grass, and she's saying the whole "I love you, love you not, she loves you, loves me not" kind of thing. And um, and then all it is is like she's there, and then you just kind of see a hand, and she screams, and it just comes up with Valentine, and it, it's such a short little like tease that you could almost be like, I don't know what I don't know what the fuck this film is. I, you don't know, um, and I think because the film um, the film was made in about July two thousand, yeah. and then it and then so it only had it didn't finish until September. So it only had a short post-production period of marketing time before its release on Valentine's Day in 2001. So some of its production and box office, like this film, um, although it did okay um, for box office, um, I had the numbers in front of me a second ago and I've lost them. (laughs) Uh, It did 10 million. It was a 10 million budget and it did 36 million box office. However... In comparison to Jamie Blank's previous film, Urban Legends, which was 14 million budget, 
but made 78 million box office, it was seen as, you know, a little bit of a underwhelming to the studio. And yeah. critically, Urban Legend did better critically than this one did. Um, so those are some of the things that kind of accounted for the, the for the production problems. Um, but it's also a case of, so we've got, um, you've got like, obviously, Catherine Heigl and David Boreanaz, uh, Boreanaz, who, um, who were like, obviously both in big TV shows at the time, like you mentioned, Asian, Asians. Asians. Angel. <laughs> Angel. I meant Angel and it became Asians. Angel, sorry. Angel yeah. with Boreanaz and, um, and obviously for Heigl, she was in Roswell, which was also a yeah. big show at the time. And um, they were both the main people that promoted this film. So they were both the main promotion for the film. So even though Denise Richards is the, like, almost the top liner she wasn't really that much part of the promotion because she was doing promotion for the uh the james bond film the world uh the yeah. world is not enough uh, um so she was part of that so you've actually got that boreanas and Denise richards were kind of like the back uh sorry heigl Catherine heigl were kind of like the back-to-back promotion of this film um, which again, so we've got again another scream kind of interest there because we've got the fact that Heigl was quite heavily promoted for the film, promoted in the film, and yet she's the opening kill of the film. Um, it's also weird because Boreanis and Heigl did the least amount of filming on this film. Boreanis could only do two weeks of filming uh, because of Angel, so he could only yeah. literally be around. He could only be around for a very short time, so he had to do all of his scenes in a really quick, like part of the production. And, and Heigl, I guess that kind of makes sense because he just he he does kind of pop up. He's scattered across the film, pieces, isn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is a little bit kind of scattered throughout the film. And Heigl's was only three days, but then she's only in one scene outside of the scene when it's her kill scene, basically. Um, yeah, Maybe I just thought it was interesting the plans the box office and, and the way it was kind of handled in that way. But it also kind of made me think of this link of like, we've had all of these like horror whodunits because all the ones we named, I know he did last summer, Valentine, Scream and um, Urban um, Legends. Urban Legends were all whodunit horrors kind of thing. They were yeah. all part of that. Um, whereas each of those kind of took a, an approach where they, they were kind of trying to be a bit more against the rules. And these are the rules of urban legends. And these are the rules of horror films. And, and um, the, I know what he did last summer was a bit more of like the, the basis of the book. Whereas Valentine, I think obviously, as we've said, the critics didn't really like the fact that it was going a bit, it does go a bit more towards a kind of eighties, especially twist at the end feels very like an eighties kind of style twist at the end. Yeah. But for me that, I mean, for me, that doesn't feel like a, drawback no i mean I mean, you, the thing that i love about this is it is it, it it could have been a film that was released during the 80s you know and the opening of the film has such an 80s feel to it and that's that's this i mean just to jump into the jump opening, into it jump in <laughs> yeah we could you know we open up with uh being introduced to the characters um and we see jeremy milton who's you know He's, he's buck tooth. I think he's got like a weird bruise or like rash on his head, hasn't he? Um, yeah, he's got the old and, comb parting. Yeah, the old <laughs> comb parting. And he's asking each of our kind of girls to um, 
to have a dance, and they're kind of, they're all horrible to him basically because he's you know he's he's the loser. I think um, Kate but is quite, the only one that isn't. Kate's, you know, Kate says, you know, maybe later. Um, maybe later. And maybe later. The others um, more joke about him and take the piss out of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the but the cool thing is, so we like for instance, when we get to um when we get to young page, for instance, it says like, you know, um uh do you wanna have do you wanna have a dance? And then Paige is like, I'd rather be boiled alive, or I think she says. We then yeah. get like we get the school book which has the picture of young young page but it also has you know denise richards as page prescott and it kind of it it works both as as a credit sequence and as an opening to the film and it does it has that it has that great 80s feeling to it where it's almost like instead of opening up with like a kill or opening up with something like that it it, it's it just opens up with why you know it opens yeah. up with the past with what's how the past trauma is going to come back to kind of get yeah them. yeah and i really and, love i that mean this is it. a film this is a film that it, it was done a lot in the 80s you know um where you've got the whole you're using a theme to go around a horror like uh, ha- halloween's an obvious one but you had you had like happy you know like happy birthday like to you to you things like there were lots of different horror films like prom night and they were all around a specific point in people's life or or a holiday you know things like that like the you know chris what's the christmas one i'm blanking the black christmas and black um, christmas um, and the deadly night you know i mean so that's what's kind of making us a bit nostalgic that it has that kind of that's, I think that's what's fun about this film is it plays into those little um, it plays into those little things that they thought about the holiday, they thought about the killer based on the holiday, and the opening is all about a Valentine's Day dance, and we get yeah. this weird character, and then we get um, you were going through the the, the characters, we get Pay yeah. uh, Dorothy who we go Dorothy last, and Dorothy is I mean it's it, it it's that whole thing of she's the fat one. You know, she's a bit of a loser as well. She has friends, but she because she's, you know, the fat one, she, nobody's dancing with her or anything. Um, so she ends up making out with Jeremy uh, under the bleachers, um, which classic. is apparently an American classic. You know, we don't have bleachers, do we? Um, the only <laughs> whenever, thing we had was those, sh- those shitty, like, wooden benches, you know? Yeah, whenever um, I think of bleachers, all I can think of now is, is fac- the faculty. When they're Ooh. running under and they're closing in on them and they're trying to trap the, oh, I just think of the bleachers and always just think, oh shit, what if that bleacher closed on you right now? <laughs> yeah, black <laughs> <Splat> goes Dorothy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then obviously some like bullies come up and they're like, did he force himself on you or the, make fun of him? And, oh, and Dorothy's like, she yeah. does him dirty. She does him. She does him dirty. dirty. Yeah. You um, know, one of one of the Eastenders kids is. Style. um one of the bullies is uh, the the kid out of Final Destination Two that gets blown up at the end. That gets yeah. blown up on the barbecue. I, I just noticed him straight away. I was like, "Ah, oh, you get blown up in." <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, one again, of the bullies. <laughs> it's really cool. And then they, you know, they 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 strip him naked, which is something that I like kids seem to do. Although it yeah. seems men like looking back at it, it seems mental. But kids just strip him naked throw him out in front of everybody and then obviously we get the 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 link there with the cupid mask which is a a really cool kind of look for a slasher um is this because i think they call him the, the cherub don't they the um, cherub yeah is referred to as the rest of it is is that little cherub mask um that we see at the dance 
and then it we get an instant time jump and this is where i i mean the sex and the city vibes kind of come in we get oh, jason yeah, the, the speed then dating and oh no, no sorry it, that comes it's, after it's but jason, yeah, jason yeah jason's so jason fucking weird on a da- yeah jason so fucking weird jason on a date with you know Catherine heigl and he's like talking about how men and women are kind of like primed to pick out what's best for them and, and he's just such a he's just such a scumbag well he talks um, in third person doesn't he he does it's like it's he's like class. me saying Seb is enjoying this conversation with Robbie. Seb thinks that Robbie is enjoying this conversation yeah. too. <laughs> and it's it's kind of so it's 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 just so well done. And then he's got he's got a piece of like lettuce in his mouth. And then you know he he basically wants to like you know take her back and lay some pipe, but she's not down for it. And the bit I love is that he he's like. All right, well they go, and then as soon as he leaves, like he just turns around and looks at another woman because Jason likes what he sees, <laughs> and it's just like I it like kept, that. Um, it kept reminded me of um, Pamela Voorhees saying like, "Mummy's here, Jason. Mummy's here, Jason." <laughs> like every time he said Jason, I was just in my head going, hearing like Pamela Voorhees, like he was a little Jason boy. <laughs> yeah, I love that all of that all of the men in this film are kind of these strange like caricatures, but they, they kind of, they're also quite funny as well. Like you get Jason and later on you get like the art, you know, the, the art expedition expo guy, Max, Max. you know, and you get all of these people. There's a a, a humor to it. There's a, there's a quite a cool, like a funny humor to the way that they're, but also I gotta be honest, it's actually nice to see, that in this film, I think the females get well fleshed out and the males are the stereotypes. When I'd say in a lot of horror films, it's the opposite way around. Males sometimes can be a cat. I know we get the final girl. Yes, the final girl is normally a bit more fleshed out. But apart from that, all other women are normally either to be male gays or to be killed off. And we don't learn much more about them. Males can be the same, but quite often more than not, you get the males being like, an extra hero figure or you learn something about them whereas in this they're all pretty much just stereotypes but i don't think that's a i don't think that's a negative i think no, it's it a positive because it's almost more this film is more about the female how the female see the males when they act like absolute twats <laughs> yeah and i i like that we get this kind of this dual story where you're in a way it's really weird because you you almost and I don't know if this was just me, but you're rooting for the the female characters. So, like yeah. Paige. But like I said to you, like by the end of the film, I found Paige like really intolerable. Um, but Whereas I really liked the, her. I you thought really she was like that sarky bitch. <laughs> yeah, and it. I like I liked <laughs> it, but it, it will fit after a while. Um, and then we get obviously we have Dorothy, we have Kate, and you root for these characters. But at the same time, I I almost I was like, all right. Yeah, like you're the girls, go out, live your life, get the pipe. But then I was also like, I'm kind of, root- I'm kind of rooting for Jeremy Milton to get his <laughs> revenge in a strange yeah. way, you know? Well, yeah, because so I think kind of- it's horrible, kind of what they did to him at the beginning. I mean, and again, you bring you bring that opening to today's con- context and like Jeremy Milton's life it wouldn't have been as destroyed then. It's nowadays that would have been completely like if, a, if someone in that age 
says like I've he was forced himself on a girl at a school, he'd be completely fucking, you know, back then it might have just been brushed aside a little bit. Now no, it'd be a fucking cancelled. That's what, what happens. He ends, up, he ends up going to um, an institution and stuff like that, doesn't he? Yeah, so, that's what I mean, but it's still like um, oh yeah, it would it, it would it, it felt more tight. It felt kind of timely that they were going to, like some of the stuff in this film is quite I find quite interesting are some of the themes they touch on in this film like kind of the inappropriate ways that like males act towards females but also that kind of power that a female could have in that situation with jeremy if a male said the other thing about a girl it wouldn't have the same content if you see what i mean like i, yeah. I liked some of those themes in this film that they they are still they're not just trying to be surface level all the time in this film they do have films no. that aren't just about death they're about like slight moments of like yeah this is an actual problem for women and you know things like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, like um, I well, after you know the date with Jason when you know uh, Catherine Heigl <laughs> goes to the morgue. This was I forgot all of this apart from her death, and I and I was like, oh shit, Catherine Heigl's in this film. She's yeah. not going to die yet. And then you know five minutes later she was dead. But the whole scene I'd basically forgotten. So you know she. Um, she has the she has the the corpse that she's gonna she's about to perform an autopsy on I'm guessing, um, and then she goes out and she sees her her colleague and she gets the um, she gets the Valentine's Day card, which yeah. I try I think that one is roses are red, violets are blue. The only dental records to identify you is that the one? No, no. It's the, I, no. I've ri- I've written down all of them, so I've got which one is you. it? Um, it's my love grows for you as you bleed from your neck. That that's the that's the one. My love grows for you as you bleed from your neck. Uh, that was the first one. It was quite straightforward. The first one. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was. But it's awesome um, that. But it's know. got a. It's got. An, I love it because it's got an image on it. This is one part. I love the card parts of this film. I almost wish a couple more characters got an extra couple of cards. Uh, but um, it's got like a Jack the Ripper Victorian style image, and as she yeah. moves, the throat kind of gets cut. So I really love. Yeah. I really loved that aspects of the opening that it kind of properly like freaks her out. And, yeah, um, and then, but then I completely forgot the bit where she then goes back to perform the autopsy, um, and as she's about to cut in, you know, we see that it, we see it inhale, and I was like, "What oh, the fuck?" I completely forgot. And then, obviously, she goes back, um, and we see that the actual dead body is hidden in, in the cupboard, um, and then when she turns <clears throat> around, the the you know the killer is gone, and the whole chase in that moment is really cool. Um, yeah, you know we get this kind of um, this kind of semi Halloweenish kind of um, kind of track. I find uh, it's quite piano heavy. Um, yeah, but I felt, it, was, it felt very um, uh, well. Again, this was another like ha- uh, like a Halloween, or again for me, Scream, like Marco Beltrami's tra- uh, soundtrack yeah. from Scream. I, f- I felt it sounded very similar to that kind of soundtrack to me. It was very close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was, it was, a, it's a really strong moment and the imagery of him, you know, chasing her through the, through the morgue and then her getting into the body bags. That was something that I'd, I'd always, I'd always remembered that scene of getting into the body bags. Um, yeah. And he's stabbing them and then 
it's just such a cool it's it's a know, very it's a cool uh, as you mentioned before about the halloween like the music though i i kind of put down that this was a very it felt very much like original michael myers kind of slow calculated killer now i'm not saying he's like that throughout the whole film but in this opening one he feels very much like a michael stalking her through the through the yeah. whole thing he's not in a rush he know it's almost like he knows she's scared and she's going to fuck up so he's just yeah. slowly following her with the with a I know it's he's called Cherub. I always think Cupid because it's also. I always Cupid. think Cupid as well. You know, I feel like Cherub. I get it. It's meant apparently that's meant to be the name, but I feel like Cupid is a <laughs> kind of works <laughs> better in my head. Um, yeah, same. But um, yeah, this was it was it's quite it's well done opening. It's quite suspenseful. Heigl, I think, in that opening scene, sells herself so well with Jason that you're kind of like, yeah, you like. She's so she's so strong with Jason in that moment that you could have believed that she was going to be your main girl for this film. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think that's what also works for the the twist that she's not. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it does work well. Um, and then obviously her her murder um, kind of brings the cast back together. Um, and then obviously we, it's you know we're at the funeral. Um, yeah, I mean her her gets... death obviously sliced to the throat. That was the only part I found a little bit anticlimactic suddenly because it felt like there was no real fight to it or things like that, if you see what I mean. Um, well, apparently, um, I was looking into it. it, it yeah. The film itself got quite heavily trimmed. Um, yeah. So it, it was supposed to be a full kind of, you know, throat-cutting seg- segment. Um, and there was supposed to be a lot more blood and viscera. Um but yeah, obviously, I, I mean, I've got... A, I, I went and watched... It's on... You can see them on YouTube. Uh, the, okay. the untampered version there's not a lot more to it um but as a little behind the scenes kind of thing yeah uh, you're right it was studio tampering they uh, basically the studio wanted it to be a little bit more mainstream so they they edited down some of the violence and gore in the film um, yeah can, as i said you can see the uncut versions on youtube um but the opening death just shows more of shelley's it's like a longer it pauses a bit longer on her throat being slit and bleeding out and there's um, a little bit more of her trying to push back against it, which is, again, which yeah. I kind of felt it just needed a little bit more because she just seems to suddenly be like, I'm, I'm, I'm done now. <laughs> she, like, she's done quite yeah. a good job to survive. <laughs> and now she's like, oh, shit, it's over. Um, yeah, and I'll come back later, but when we get to a few other deaths, there's a few other ones where the I'll tell you about the uncut version that I saw. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, I might have to check them out because I, yeah. I haven't tried to find have a, them have a little look um they're not none of them are hugely different though um it's almost that the studio thought that some of them come a bit too sadistic like the killer's enjoying it too much so they wanted to but trim that... it down so the killer doesn't seem like he's enjoying it which is too bad because i kind of that's one bit that i kind of i like the idea that he he's want he, jeremy melton wants revenge you yeah know? so he's thought about this for a very long time so he's going to want to like savor the moments yeah, so it kind of would have made more sense if that had been left in. Um, and then, because so, yeah, obviously Kate. we have... That's it, Kate. We have the funeral, don't we? Um, and that's where, you know, we it's then established Kate and um, Mr. Um, David Boreanis, the sexual man, are in a relationship. And we kind of have... We then get his history of kind of alcoholism as well, which I think is kind of a it's a nice touch to the character, um, especially you know when we find out later on. Um, I'm trying to think if that's also when 
we get the creepy detective, don't we? Who kind of says that, yeah. yeah, If anybody's heard anything, to to kind of give him the the um to give him a call. And Paige is kind of is is kind of flirty with him. Hard Castle or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, Oh no! Before the feudal, sorry, is the speed dating. Yeah, I was going to say there was a scene before it. The speed dating did come because I was thinking, oh, we haven't we haven't met the sexual man Boreanaz yet. I was thinking, oh, it's taking a while to introduce him. Considering again. Boreanaz was so much on like the posters and stuff like that. There's Ooh. a poster just with Boreanaz. One of the posters just had him. Just like they were trying to sell, look at this sexual man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but yeah, the, the whole the whole dating one, we are introduced to one character that we meet later. I can't I, I don't actually have his name. Is it Brian? The one that gets, he's the one that gets tied to the bed by Paige later on. It's Brian. Um, yeah. Brian, yeah. So Br- Brian is introduced for later. Um, but again, it's a nice way to kind of introduce this to like Paige. We know exactly kind of what Paige is. She's kind of open, a bit more open sexually. She's kind of, yeah. and she's also like willing to mess around with guys a little bit and have a bit of fun. And But she also doesn't take any shit from it. Whereas Kate is very much hung up on her ex. Yeah. Or her on and off Mr. relationship Bore- with Yes, yeah, she doesn't Boreanaz. really want to move on from Mr. Boreanaz quite yet. Uh, I'm sure many ladies never want to move on from Mr. Boreanaz. <laughs> no. Because, um, yeah, I think we, we get... That's because it's when they leave um, that they get called about the funeral, don't they? Or they get called to be alerted about um, about Shelley's death. Um, then, obviously, we have, we have the funeral. Um, and then, so, isn't it that we, we then follow Heather? And then Heather gets her Valentine's card, um, and hers is this is roses uh, are red, yeah. violets are blue. They only dead to records to identify you, which I think is yeah. Again, I love these cards and I love yeah. these things because they're so they're, they're just so creepy. And you yeah oh, yeah. Um, and then I love um, <laughs> I, <laughs> the thing I love about um, about Dorothy's character is obviously is. Um, is we get her stepmom as well, who's like younger than her, and her yeah. dad is just. And I find that scene is just so funny, and that's where also, I mean, a bit about the kind of the sex and the city kind of way in which that comes in is she's like, you know, they have this kind of bitch fight, you know, and it's like it's just this another element to this film, which I think is kind of it. I can see why it's a cult film because it, it does have loads of these elements to it that a usual slasher film might not kind of have. Um, and I don't think, um, apart from this scene where we get, um, you know, uh, Dorothy bickering with, um, I can't even find, find the woman's name, um, but we you know, we find her bickering with her stepmom. I don't think we yeah. see her stepmom and her dad again, but it's no, like a don't. nice little, it's a nice I, little... I, I thought they were both set up for the mum and the uh, the stepmom and the dad probably getting off later on. I thought it was because normally half yeah. time you introduce a character, especially a character that one of the characters has a bit of friction with, and normally you're finding them dead later on. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do like is Dorothy could have been played as the uh, Dorothy could have been played as the bitchy rich girl. So I mean, mm. she could have been one note, but this scene actually gives us a little bit more of a. a a little bit more to Dorothy because we know that she's kind of just she's like yeah she's well off but she's also basically forgotten and left out by her family in a way she's and kind she's of very, like yeah 
She's like second class in in her house. She's second class. She might not be outside of the house, but in the house she is. And it's also, I mean, it opens up to some of her vulnerabilities. Kind of because Dorothy herself is, I guess, because, you know, it's played up that she's the fat one at the start. and She's not with anybody. Yeah, so we know more to her character, which is nice because she so easily could have just been the one that we're just rooting to get killed any minute, which is uh, we're introduced to Campbell in this scene as well. Yeah. Who is her partner who isn't doesn't seem to really want to be her partner. Um, Well, he's a con man, isn't he? He's yeah. a scamming. He's a scamming. You He's know? a scamming. And he has an ex, uh, Roofie. And she's more of that basically rich bitch. She is. She's a... that rich bitch character. She's the character that we don't really get as much on. And we're basically like, I'm waiting for you to get brutally murdered. Which yeah. later, on. <laughs> later on, yes, that does. That does happen. Yeah, um, <laughs> it does. But the interesting one about um, Dorothy's card, um, to go back to it, is... Um, She's one of the few ones that receives a card or a note from the killer, but doesn't get killed for a good for most of the film. After that, she's in it till near the end. But she's a, like everyone else when they get a card, it's not it's only a scene or so until they die. Whereas she's the only yeah. one that gets one early on, and then she doesn't actually die until well, basically the end. Well, because it, it's around this time. Yeah, because I think it obviously we have the scene with Dorothy, um, and then Campbell kind of turns up and says that you know he's been kicked out. She says that she can stay there, um, and then I think it's shortly after it might be the scene immediately after. Um, I don't know why I watched like I watched this film twice, um, day you know, day after you know, watched it and then watched it the next day. But this just seems to happen with my brain, like film scenes go all over the place. I don't know if anybody else. Yeah, so. um, but I think after that is when Paige and Lily, um, who, yeah, again, is also played really well by uh, Jessica Corfell, Caffell, who was kind of. Yeah, I know her from a lot of no- 90s films, and I know her from yeah. Legally Blonde and stuff like that, yeah. Um, and she was also in Urban Legends Final Cut, so which is the okay. sequel, sequel to the film. Yeah. But we get the scene there with was those actually, two. Um, there was a, the, the, the one scene before we get to, because that's a really good part with Lily and Paige in the apartment. That's a gross part of the film. Um, yeah. But there's that, um, the, we do get see, a, a scene with Kate before, oh, where she's at her yeah. house in the shower. So you've yeah. got a classic female shower scene to titillate the lads and lasses out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's one thing that, um, so that that's, that's like a classic horror trope, the idea you're in the shower, and she's getting out and you're like, what's going to happen? You know, so many films obviously do it. You know, it's the classic psycho kind of thing. But um, yeah, but there is a re- there's a reason for it. There's a reason I think it is, because I don't know if it's just me, but whenever I'm in the shower, I swear this ha- that happens to me all the time. I'm in the shower uh, while I'm in the shower. I get a bit paranoid. If I'm the only person in the house and I'm in the shower and I hear a noise downstairs or I hear a noise on the thing, I'm literally like, OK. Um, and I, I, you know, you start thinking of like what you're gonna do. Like I, I'm, I'm butt naked. <laughs> um, I'm in my house. You know, what I mean, like, what's the best thing I could do? Like, I could, uh, I don't know, pistol whip them with, with your, you can shake your flask of penis up. Yeah, yeah, just like, like try to hope that disgusts them enough to make them leave. If ghosts, yeah, in, you know what I mean. Like, well, it's, I guess you are. You're defenseless, aren't you? 
and it's yeah, that whole fake of like it's scary. I I just always remember it's one thing that always plays. It's it's films like like this and the you know, other films that is put that probably put that fear in my head. But it's always been one of the scariest things to me. Weirdly, is that I'm in the shower and I can just. I'm like, I can't tell. If someone was breaking into my house right now, just a normal robber, not a killer, but if someone yeah. was breaking in right now or someone walked through my door, I'd just be like, I don't actually have a clue. Like, I can't hear properly. Like, it's probably yeah. just the dog, but I can't hear or see what's going on right now. So I'm a bit So scared. you can't, yeah. No, it's the same. Um, and with that, so obviously the water's out um, and she puts her head in the, in the toilet, which is fucking which is... Yeah, again, one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, it's quite funny, but it's also a bit grim. Um, and then she kind of, I think she hears something, doesn't she? Or she gets the, the elevators weird. keeps opening and closing because yeah. she's put the um, the cherub mask is blocking, and that's and when we, get we also the get Gary, Gary the Gary, weird neighbor, the weird um, neighbor. Yeah, who you know, who likes. Yeah, again, we've got we've also got a weird thing again of this film where a weird guy likes to repeat a name several times. He keeps repeating the same the same names over and over again. And that's it. I just noticed that. I was like, what? What is this weird thing with men liking to repeat a name like they're in control of something? Well, it in this film? Well, he speaks in rhyme, doesn't he? It's like, yeah, there's some great, there's Kate. some weird. Let's go on a date, Kate. These weird bit part male males in this film are kind of very odd. I think Boreanaz is the only one that seems like a fairly like realistic male. The rest of them are all like weird weird the rest little of, yeah, characters. The rest of all scumbags or or liars or villains, yeah. you know, or weird. Just to say no, Boreanaz is actually called Adam in the film, but I just saw him Boreanaz. He's uh, yeah he's Adam and uh, we were actually told that he has uh past anger and drinking problems in the film. Yeah. So. <laughs> But and then we get the third funny. package. The third package, as you were mentioning yes, before, Paige and Lily. Lily. And this Valentine's one is the one... Three. This is the one that always stuck with me. Um, because it's fucking gross. It's so good. But, you know, they get the package and it says uh, Tis something... It's a well-known fact that beauty is skin deep. Skin deep. It is a well-known fact that you are what you eat. You are what you eat. And then they're like... And then it says JF. And they're like... And then Paige, I love that because yeah, again, this this is that kind of girlfriendy kind of bit backhanded bitchiness where she's like, "Well, you've been through more of the alphabet than me," that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then Lily bites into the you know into the chocolates, and there's the maggots in there. Yeah, um, oh, that's one thing that's always stuck with me. I've always had a like a strange. I don't know if it is irrational because they are gross, but maggots have always freaked me out. Um, and the and the thing of eating maggots, the, this scene with the uh, with the maggots in the chocolates and in Ghost Ship when um, uh, Carl Urban is eating is eating the food from the tins and it's beans, and then the next minute it's maggots. Those two scenes have always stuck with me. And they, yeah. I, it was something I saw when I was young, and it's so effective that it's just stuck with me all the way through. Um, <laughs> you know, you and always want to open up a chocolate before you actually bite into. <laughs> no, I would just be eating rice, and then I'd be like, "This is maggots. Be maggots," and it would be like, "Ah, uh, yeah." So there was literally times where I just couldn't eat because of those two scenes, which is great. You know, hats off yeah. to Jamie Blanks for that. He ruined many, many meals for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
This is also the but, first time um, that they remember Jeremy Melton. Yeah. Lily and that is, brings him up. <laughs> and that's what is awesome. It's, it, it, yeah, again, it's the kind of, it's the callback to the start of the, of the film. And it's that whole thing of like paying, you know, paying for the mistakes of your past. But then at the same time, you were, you, you know, you were kids. And in their eyes, because they don't know that, you know, Dorothy said that, you know, he'd attacked her um, when he hadn't. Um, so they don't know that. And it's this kind of idea of, to them, Jeremy Melton was a nutter and they didn't do anything wrong. So, you know, it's this, it's this idea yeah. that it's first struck on, isn't it? I um, think, I think, yeah, Paige says that they were, they were so horrible to that kid kind of thing. I think she yeah. does reference the fact, she does obviously feel some guilt for what she did, whereas Lily doesn't even really remember him. Um, no. You know, she is a bit glossed over. He doesn't really ask her properly, though, in the like opening and stuff. He kind of just glosses past over it like very quickly, kind of thing, out of the other ones where he's a little bit, seems a little bit more keen. Um, yeah. But we get, so this is, um, so we've already, we've had Detective Hardcastle because at the funeral he said that Jason was, had, had not been fine. So we've got a, we've got a bunch of red herrings and a bunch of yeah. possible males because it seems quite obvious that it is a male if it's meant to be Jeremy Melton obviously seems like it unless they're going to pull a um sleepaway camp twist on us where it's yeah maybe <laughs> you know um but um so we're getting this 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 roster of strange men we get Max who we meet at the art exhibition who just which he's probably the douchey like Jason yeah he's weird and he's douchey but Max is probably the douchiest of all of the characters yeah he's such a prick and, he, but he's, and that's what I mean. Like he, but he's also quite funny at the same time because you know he's just like such. He's just such this New York artist fucking douchebag, you know. And it's oh, yeah, he artists, has whole, He makes out of Lily, uh, and then his his like I don't know his his tea resistant. That's the one. His assistant just stands there watching and just slowly like, and doing her top and stuff. And it's like he just assumes that he's. It's like he's told her in advance. Come, we'll definitely get to have a free <laughs> And she really looks like um, Eva Longoria before. I can say I can see what you mean. Like, so I was thinking, are we going to see some titty? And I was like, <laughs> are we going to see titty here? I don't know. But yeah, again, he's kind of he's played up as this fucking like New York artist, fucking scumbag. You know, well, like when he's making when he's making his speech about Valentine's Day and that kind of stuff. Um, and Paige and um, the girls are talking. He kind of, you know, he shushes them and he, you know, he he thinks that he's like so in control. He's played up to be such an asshole. And I got I, I got to give props to uh, Johnny Whitworth because he's played up as so unlikable, you know, yeah. um, which is it, which is great. And this whole scene was another kind of scene that stuck with me um, because at this moment we get introduced to Rufy and that Campbell um, is potentially a con man and is ripping, has been ripping women and people off. Um, but obviously Dorothy is like, because she's so insecure and because she has these vulnerabilities, you know, she writes it off as just being, as her just being some fucking dingbat. Um, yeah. And then when this Lily. Is, um, yeah. This is Lily. Like, this is Lily's death, isn't it? Yeah, and I always I, remember this as being Dorothy dying now, but oh, really? which is what I mean about people about just this. The deaths in this film stuck with me. 
I, I knew yeah, the death. I remember the death. But I tell you, like, so a lot of people listening who, who've seen the film, um, hopefully you've seen the film. Yeah. <laughs> or you just like to ruin films for yourself, it's fine. That's it. <laughs> That's your choice. Um, but um, one thing that I think you can say, okay, you can say, oh, uh, yeah, but it, 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 it's still slocky, uh, late 90s, early 2000, like tea teen young adult kind of like horror these characters interacting but they're still not real yeah you could still like i'm not saying that this is an all-time classic horror film but i'd say it, like it's it's good and it's inventive and i think one thing that truly makes it stand out i think as a good horror film is the killer doesn't just kill in one way he yeah every death is has been fought out and it's inventive and it's different as well as still playing into the theme of the valentine cupid cherub kind of thing and, and what i really love about this is one is such a cool setup with the, the like a freaky freaky setting as all the lights start to kind of flicker in and out in the eye yeah and you're trapped in this maze yeah so they've done such a good like they've separated the men and the women just to separate parts so we can't be yeah. certain of who would have been where apart from we know yeah. where max is max is the only one like we kind of know is not necessarily around um but and then we get this I just love it. Cupid's arrows, basically. Cupid's so arrows. cool, isn't it? And it's, this, a, it's a nice this, change up. Arrows. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and this one is one that always stuck with me as well. Even though I thought it was Dorothy that died, I, you know, uh, it's just because that's, you know, I have watched it for so many years. But the kill stuck with me, you know, because it's it's so cool. It's just quite out of the out of the blue. You know, you expect her to get stabbed or you expect something like that, but she gets shot with an arrow. And then yeah. another one, and then she falls off the. You, know, you get shot the I think three times. One, she gets three two times, to the yeah. stomach and one to the heart at the end. I think, and um, it's so cool. And then she flies, goes down into the trash, and it's kind yeah. of like, not only is it a cool kill, but it's 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 got a bit of like, a bit of like a funny irony to it that like yeah. these these women treated Jeremy Belton like trash, and that's how he views them, and now she's in the you, trash, and trash. it's like. And she's yeah. not actually, they, are, they don't actually discover her. They, they, no. they don't know what happened to her. Um, it, also, what was weirdly running through my head is this was like 2001 was like the year for getting arrowed down because it's, uh, it's the same year that uh, Sean Bean's Boromir was getting arrowed down in Lord yeah. of the Rings. And he had three arrows as well. He did, yeah. It was a weird Three arrows as well. In my head as I was watching it, I don't know why that just popped into my head. I was like, this is like... <laughs> She's get oh, she's getting the Sean Bean, <laughs> um, or is Sean Bean getting the Lily? Because Valentine it, came out before. It did actually. You're right. The old time classic JR JR Tolkien <laughs> classic that was written well before the film. Yeah, no, nah, 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 they ripped nah, off nah, Lily's nah, death from Valentine. They, they ripped, ripped off, off Valentine. Um, there is one it's thing that we've a- we actually haven't discussed yet that's already been a running theme and is also, again, another really cool aspect of this film is the nosebleed. Yeah. We haven't mentioned the nosebleed. Jeremy Melton at the beginning, like when he's like with Dorothy, he like when the violet starts to appear, when he's getting accused of something, his nose starts to bleed. Um, and in every death so far, the uh, cherub's mask no, uh, one of the coolest figures that the the nose bleeds, his blood runs through the, down the mask. Yeah, it's such a cool. I, I just always love that part that you know, like it normally comes just about when the death has about to finally finish off the death, or it has just happened. Is when it happens. Yeah, because I think it's as he's about to fire the third arrow, 
as he draws it back, knocks it, whatever they say, then you see the blood go down, and then yeah, as it I, drops, I think, he fires. Yeah, I think it like drops down, like as if it drops onto the arrow as he as he lets the arrow go. It just, yeah, it's just such a cool, inventive like. I, I just that's what I really like about liked about this film. Like, if this was just him doing like the opening, going around with a butcher's knife, slashing up, then we'd basically be like, oh, this is basically just Michael Myers with a with a, a worse mask, basically. If you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that, that's all this is. But because they're so inventive, as if he's planned out all these different ways, or he'll literally use whatever's at his disposal. Although it seems more planned out, because if you think about some of the deaths, the items he used, sometimes he just picks up up, but quite often he's yeah. like, as if he's gone searching for an item that would, would be, oh, that'd be so cool to kill her like this. Yeah. Jeremy Melton just planning in the background. <laughs> yeah. And then, because after Lily's death, um, we get, I think after that, we get the scene where, um, yeah, again, my brain's all over the place. So I'm I sure after Boreana's... Lily's death. So we get after Boreanis in the bar and we get like, we get a little bit more character develop on him. Cause again, this is only the second time he's, uh, no, he was, was he at the art <coughs> gallery? I can't remember. No, he's not at the art gallery, but so this is the second scene we get to see Boreanis's character. So again, it feels like we go through quite a lot of long periods without actually getting to see him. Um, but it so doesn't get... feel, but for me, it doesn't feel displaced because no. he, he because it's established that his relationship with Kate is on and off and that they're trying to work things out. So it's not like you expect him to be in every scene. Maybe that, maybe I don't know whether intentionally they plan to have more um, of David Boreanaz, but like you said, with scheduling, they couldn't do it. Um, I'm not sure, but it worked. I think the, it works out really well that he kind of pops up just after something's happened you know yeah i mean i i feel like because we're not like we're going through the film and stuff like that but i feel like i don't like i don't want to leave this till the very end because i i feel like i've got a i've got to mention that for me the only aspect of it i love the way that all the things happen at the end of the film and we'll discuss how that happens at the end yeah but borianis was always clearly in my mind the killer in this film like even when I wa- I remember when I was a kid, I wasn't at all surprised. Like he's so no. he's so front and center in the marketing. He's only he's the only real male that gets character development, and it seems pretty obvious that it's going to be a male. So I was just so certain that it was going to be Boreanaz. But again, that doesn't mean that they don't do it really well to twist it later on. Yeah, but I feel like right now I just gonna because some of the things in some of the deaths and stuff. I feel like I just got to be able to say that yes, Boreanaz is is the killer in this film. Yeah, right? I don't you... think it's a, so it's a twist that you don't see coming. But I think yeah. that they get another that they manage to wrangle another twist out there works yeah. for me. I mean, there's there's one there's one question I have about it, but it I think the way in which they do it kind of works. So, um, um like. As I said, I, I, I forgot the ending. Um, I forget. I forgot what happens towards the end with Dorothy, um, but uh, and we'll get to that later. But also knowing that Boreanaz was the killer. Um, but um, in my mind, midway through watching this film, because I couldn't really remember how the ending played out and stuff, and I was certain that Boreanaz. But in my mind, I, I came up with like a fear in my head. I was like that. Dorothy in my head, I was like, Dorothy actually could have easily been the killer in this film. 
Like she would have actually yeah. been perfectly set up to be the killer in this film. Yeah, she was the, you know, the girl who set off Jeremy Mountain in the beginning, you know, which was a horrible kind of bitch move. But um, and she seems nice enough now and you feel like maybe a, a, a fitting death is coming. Um, but she would have been my pick for female killer. I feel that film is so obvious it's got to be a male that I think a female would have totally just thrown people off because they wouldn't have been expecting it at all I know Jeremy yeah. I'm, I'm not saying Jeremy Melton would have been the killer in this scenario I'm saying that Jeremy Melton was a, a red herring to throw everyone off kind of yeah thing. no that I, I I could have brought that and I guess and, they kind of play into that at the end don't they they do play they play into that with her at the end because I, I was questioning like whether like it was uh because it's not really explained how that kind of plays out in it, if you see what I mean, in the film. Yeah. Um, but Jeremy Melton being used as a bully, possibly to death, could have been given as a good underline for Dorothy to be the forgotten one, like her dad undermines her, and led to years of seeing the girls treat others like that, led to her wanting to make all of this kind of toxic kind of... Yeah kind of end and that was just it just played into my head and then when the ending when the ending comes later with the yeah Dorothy reveal it, uh, that's just part of the thing that played into my head I was like oh shit midway through watching this film I was thinking I'm certain it's Boreanaz but Dorothy could be because she's the only other character in my head that has ever had a chance of being the killer no other yeah. character I didn't suspect any other character at any point and that's not because I knew it was Boreanaz that's just because I don't think any other is a legitimate no, Any other character would have been so, like, would have made this terrible because it, there's not enough build-up for any of the other male yeah. characters. There's not kind of, no kind of reason for them. But like you said, with Dorothy, it's something that you that you could buy. Um, and I think it's one of those things where um, we, we get kind of, um, we get, when some of the kills happen, we don't know where certain characters are, but we know quite often that other characters are in different locations. So, for instance, I'm thinking of Campbell's death, you know, yeah. uh, when the when the hot water goes out and Dorothy asks him to go down and fix it. He's scabbing, you know, he's on the scab. Um, he's hustling. He's trying to get the money transferred. And then when he goes, you know, it's quite, it's a cool scene, you know, he lights it. And then he gets the classic axe in the back, which was, that was a very popular death, like, you know, horror death in the 90s as well. Um and he gets the axe in the back. With that, you could have you could have potentially been like, well, actually, Dorothy's like one of the only ones in the house at the time. So you could realistically think, well, maybe Dorothy did that. We don't know where. I mean, this it's not said where David Boreanaz is uh, is at that time. Yes, yeah. You know, but I just so I we, think you know it could we do have get wanted. like we do get kind of. So we, because we get the the scene in the police station with the girls where detective is like is interrogating them and about where their boyfriends are and how well do you actually know your boyfriends yeah. and stuff. Um, and we also get what again, uh, what I thought was a really good scene with Denise Richards where he's basically the the, the detective is trying to touch her up basically. Yeah, he's trying to he's trying to pipe, and, isn't he? Yeah, that's a good scene as well. That. That's that's one that I thought was quite good of that kind of toxic masculinity being very relevant that someone in that position was kind of, you know, doing a Harvey Weinstein. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, But at the same time, they also tried to throw off Boreanis as the killer by knowing yeah. the backstory. So she knows his backstory and uh, saying he's at places when someone just died. But like, um, we get... Um, well, they say about I his... Can um... always... The one thing I, they, that they do is they talk about uh, 
kind of Jeremy Melton's past, don't they? Um, yeah. And that they say that, you know, his his mother died and his father died in a fire. Um, and then they say, well, how much, you know, Dorothy, how much do you know about Campbell? And she's like, well, I don't know his last name. And then when they say, how much do you know about Adam, um, David Boreanis? She's like, well, you know, his, um, you know, his mum and dad live in Boston or some shit like that. So it's kind of, they, you know, they try and lay that there as well. And then, but then they, yeah. I think they, they throw another little potential there when we get the scene where they, um, you know, they use that, uh, um, I can't remember what it is, but they use like the computer to digitally generate what Jeremy Melton would look like nowadays. Yeah, yeah. To try and, and he kind of, couldn't possibly yeah. look like that, but it kind of looks a bit more like. Sorry, a mo- there's one. There's one slide in there that potentially, I thought potentially looks like Gary. There's one that's got a goatee, and I was like, yeah. he potentially looks like Gary. So I'm thinking, are they trying to put it there? And then, um, but I think Gary yeah. might be dead by this time. Um, and uh, then they yeah. say, well, you know, he couldn't look like this. But he might have had plastic surgery, you know, that kind of thing. But no, this is uh, Gary's death follows the police station because this is another um, one throwing Bor- Boreanis off the throwing us off the scent of Boreanis being the killer. Because I'll just say, um, I, th- this is where I actually got uh, so. And again, I, I I noticed this, and I think that it's fairly spot on. So I think it's what makes me again like this film even more is that you can actually see clearly the motive behind the killer. And you can yeah. see why he kills certain people in this film, which like the whole like what like what makes me like say scream more because when I, I can work out who's Stu and that they've fought it through, I can clearly yeah. see here why. I think there's only one character that I can't clearly see why that the killer kills him. Apart from that, everyone else. So Gary, the reason um we can clearly see, and, it, and if you're if you're noticing it, then you again, this would be a very big sign that Boreanaz is the killer, because um, uh, because uh, when um, when when someone like like after Gary's killed, um, Boreanaz appears and says he's been with the detective talking through yeah. his backstory. So again, we think, oh, he couldn't have been around for Gary. However, if you think about Gary, Gary is an insignificant character who has nothing to do with the revenge plot. So why is Gary dead? Gary, and he gets he gets a, a fairly brutal death. Um, he gets he walks in with the iron and he's oh yeah and he's there. And this is this is why we know that most likely Boreanis is the killer because Kate um Kate almost accused um, Adam earlier in the film, Boreanaz is Adam. Uh, she accused him of going back into her apartment and go um, fiddling with her underwear or that yeah. someone had been in to fiddle with her underwear, um, which Boreanaz at first is jokey about and then seems a little bit angry about that someone yeah. is doing this. Um, and the reason Gary dies is because Cherub walks in as Gary's trying on her underwear so he finds yeah. that's the thing. So he takes the iron, he puts the hot iron against his, he smacks him to the ground, puts the hot iron against his face, so oh. he burns his face, and then he uses it like a, like a, the old, a, what are they called? The balls with like spikes on the end. They used to have him. Like a ball. Yeah, a flail. Like literally. A flail. And he literally goes at him. Um, but by the way, this is another uncut death. In the um, uncut version, it goes on for a lot longer. Um, yeah. So we don't we don't actually get to see in the uncut version his face or him getting mutilated. But yeah. What happens is you see like he goes at it like in 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 this film he goes at it maybe he does like two blows 
in the uncut version, yeah. he does about six blows, and you can hear Gary like like screaming till the end, and you can hear the killers a bit more like as if he's properly like enjoying going at him again yeah. and again, and like he doesn't stop even though he's already dead, kind of thing. So again, the yeah. sadistic side, but this led to my like kind of theory, and I'll keep coming back to it, like the motive for why I think he killed them, but Gary. Again, with the, the reason I noticed it with Gary is because I was like, so far, I know why Shelley's dead. I know why Lily's dead. Why is why is he killing Gary? And I was straight there. I was oh, like, that is so obvious that it's Boreanis because he's the only one that's been talked about the underwear thing. However, because yeah. the underwear isn't mentioned, you might not notice it in the moment because someone might just look at it and go, oh, he was just getting changed or something. I don't know. Yeah. You might you might not spot the underwear, but he was fiddling around with underwear in an underwear drawer. So I think um, he's in lingerie, isn't he, Gary? Because he's like I think I think I'm, he's literally he's like, putting I, it on. Yeah. Says, I think he says I'm me- I'm mentally unwell or something like that. Um yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so, and then we kind of, then it after this doesn't it jump to the it kind of jumps to the evening. Um, yeah so as we said we jumped a bit ahead with the the Campbell death um yeah he and Campbell by the way is the only actually to to stay with mine for a second is Campbell's the only one that I I know why he dies kind of thing but there's no actual reason why he needs to be in the house at that point except for the fact that he could be checking the joint out for what the past he knows the valentine's pie so i think that that's why cherub is there at the time because he's checking out the building for the party and that's when he sees campbell and decides to you know off him um but i always Cher- thought it's because so he gets to- when they're in the bar after the art expo he yeah. gets told about campbell's ex or you know say you know ranting about stuff so I always thought it's that he he has a sus- suspicion that Campbell is ripping Dorothy off, um, and that if he his 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 end plan is to frame Dorothy. Yeah. So he so he has to kill Campbell, Campbell then to make yeah. it look like Dor like Dorothy knew that what he was doing and decided to kill him. Yeah, so well, there you go then. So we can afraid, see that, kind of afraid. that makes sense. Yeah. So there you go. You can see the motive for why he then kills Campbell. Originally, it was why he's in the house at that point, but literally, as I just said off the top of my head, I realised, oh yeah, he's probably checking out the joint so he knows for later where to go, what room yeah. to get through, where he can hide and stuff like that, because that comes back later in a really cool way as well. Um, as just sort of a little side note with... Um, with Campbell as well. I'm fairly certain, even though he's a con man, that I'm fairly certain also that Campbell is gay. <laughs> because really? uh, one, I know he doesn't want to get up with Dorothy and there's a scene oh, yeah. where he can't get up with Dorothy and things like that. But that's not the reason. The first, the scene we see him at the art exposition, he's stood, he's stood like really standing and staring at like a male, a nude male art piece. So I kind okay, of put this together. So I'm just that. going for a I'm going for a theory that Campbell might be gay. Throw that theory <laughs> out there, man. I didn't know that. I've I just assumed that he wasn't into Dorothy at all, which is why he couldn't. Well, yeah, that, that that's it as well. It was the art scene mixed with that. that I was like, oh, there's a circle yeah. about him that just seems to be a little bit, yeah, and uh, yeah. So he gives oh, you, but then he's still a red herring for a moment because obviously he did give her a cupid charm necklace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then he—that's um, because she gave him a watch, isn't it? So he's kind of like, oh, "Got to do something." But it's stolen anyway. Um, yeah. So we've got um, we. So 
this is when, yeah, we pretty much go to the party. It's the yeah, and we get another kind of red herring here when um, uh, Paige kind of says that she's been playing phone t- phone tag with um, or phone tennis, whatever, with Brian from the um, from the earlier part. So it's you kind of get oh has. Page been in contact with Brian this whole time, that kind of stuff. Um, that I love that. And that's when he shows because, up. Yeah, I love talk. that scene because <laughs> the yeah because they're talking and they're clearly flirting. And this dude's like, I've come to a party. I'm gonna pipe. And then he goes upstairs. He's like, I've got something to show you upstairs. Um, and then he just pulls his trousers down. And Paige, I don't know if she faints, faints surprises in like oh. Like, oh, this is what we were doing. Or she's genuinely surprised. But I was like, Paige, like, you guys have been flirting. Why else is he going to take you upstairs? Like, what what has he genuinely got to show you other than his penis? (laughs) You know? We've established that most of the men in this film are scumbags. So he's he's just got a hag dong in front of you. Um, You know, clearly. Like, what did you expect? Um, I I like her reaction. She's not like surprised she's just like is that the surprise is that it like is that all you're surprising me with and then again perfectly in character she ties him up and then burns him with wax for his oh yeah i don't brian doesn't die though we never actually see brian die. i was expecting someone to come in and kill him after she was gone but no we that's never what see i brian thought, die, do it? no i just assume he's i mean tied he, to he might he might off screen he might have been off as like as he made his way around the house but again Maybe. all all of the deaths mainly seem to be again working with the motive that he's setting dorothy up yeah i mean even ruth's death is because she stumbles on um you know um mr borianis disposing of the maid's body basically isn't that if she hadn't have been there looking and trying to find all her stuff then she wouldn't have died you know she's her death is purely yeah because of I, her. She's I, I, I loved i loved that that uh, he you know that Rufy, the the posh you know bitchy one who yes we're waiting any moment for her to die but i love the fact that again she's not really part of the whole story or the motive it's literally just yeah. wrong place at wrong time where yeah, the, and you feel the maid as well is the maid is kind of was probably wrong, put, you know, walked into a room and there he was in the after. And I love the fact yeah. that you see him dragging the maid. And it's like, oh shit, you're here. Come on then. Yeah. <laughs> and, get to and, then her, and then we get the chase where, you know, she, she hides in the sword and she finds the other maid's body. Um, and then when he, you know, when he pushes her neck through the glass, that's another. Another death, which kind of I, I love, I love that death. That death, that's the one that stuck with me in this film. With I knew there was, I knew the, there was one in the hot tub, and I'd kind of remember the arrows, but the one when he smashes her through the glass. I the only thing is I couldn't remember it, it was a shower. I just remembered that she broke through some glass, and I thought I didn't know if it was a window or a door, but yeah. I just remembered. But I remembered that whole death of she's, you know, um, you know, sending her through that. I mean, in my head because. I knew that death was coming, but I didn't know it was necessarily her. So in my head, things like, you know, and I'm kind of glad they don't go for the over the top. In my head, like the sauna was playing in my head. Like that would be a total yeah. sequel, sequel Halloween kind of death. But the him like messing with the sauna to make her kind of burn to death or something. You know what I mean? But it doesn't yeah. take it too far. It does kind of stay within a, re- a realm of realism of how the killer gets around, gets to kill people and doesn't take it too over the top. Oddly enough. No. Um, I mean, even going to kind of Paige's death, I, this was one that always stuck with me because, as we said earlier, you know, um, Denise Richards at the time 
well, would have been probably one of the stars of the film. Um, you know, you yeah. can see her, um, for those watching us on YouTube, you can see her front and centre in the page, uh, in front of Mr. Borealis. Um, and like we said, she was a Bond girl. She was off the back of, um, you know, Starship Troopers. So she was, uh, you know, an established actress. And for her, her death always stuck with me because it, it it's... One of those ones where I don't think she gets a card. She just gets a rose, doesn't she? Um, so I think she yeah. might be the only one of the girls who doesn't get a card. I think, I'm sure Kate gets one, but I can't remember what it says. Um, but Denise's death is, yeah, again, it's another one of these things where you're thinking, God, how is this going to happen? Um, because I, I remember him locking her in the, you know, in the jacuzzi. Um, I remember him trying to drill, but, and I always thought, did he hit her with a drill and she dies then? Um, but, you know, when she, he, you know, he, he's drilling it and then she's tending a wound and he opens it and throws the, uh, throws the drill in and electrocutes her. It does, it goes back to the start when she says, you know, she'd rather be, you know, boiled alive. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's such a great death. It's so, you know, it's, it's yeah. done so well. And because I think, because it's Denise Richards, you know, I didn't expect her to die. Um, you know, I didn't expect her to have have a death and a death that's kind of implied to be so violent as well. Yeah, and it I, does play into the rest of the film because it knocks out the electricity. You know, it does. I love I love the fact that it, that play actually plays into the story. Um, that it kind of knocks out the so the whole house is it gives a good reason for the whole house to suddenly be in darkness and lack of communication and all that yeah. kind of thing. Um, because weirdly, with the lack, because with Rufy's death before it, I in my head, the only part I'd kind of remembered is I remember the hot tub part. And for some reason, I think I'd melded these two together in my head, so I thought that Paige got out and then she was killed on a shard of glass or something like that. Yeah, I remember Denise Richards weirdly being the one that gets onto the shard of glass but again Rufy this is such a good double bill of a death because I think Rufy's is really strong and I think Pages is also really like yeah. both people remember Pages especially seems to be known as quite an iconic death for a film yeah. that's not not greatly remembered but that one is quite an iconic death her getting into the you know the way she gets where she gets killed the drill going in and um it's in terms of as well it is very, again, it's another it's another different style of death. No, no character dies in the same way in this film. And that's what's really cool. They all die with a different style, a different weapon, a different, you know, you've got knives, axes, arrows, yeah. drills, all of these different ways, including the other stuff that surrounds them. Um, Rufies and Pages both also are the, the last two to get uncut deaths. Okay. So, Rufies, uh, Rufies is probably the most, the one that was the most violent because in the original cut, in this one we kind of quickly see her, her neck get forced down yeah. onto it. In the in the original cut, you see her slowly getting pushed down, and you yeah. see it slowly go into her neck. So there's more blood, and it's slow, and you, it, it's really quite, it, it's better, it's a better cut, and you also get yeah. to see all the blood start pouring out onto the ground. Later, you get a shot when Kate's running through the house, you do see all the blood on the ground from where Rufy died when she starts seeing all the bodies as she's running around yeah. the house, um, but you get to see that actually the pool of blood start to form from her neck and stuff. So it's a really cool one. Pages and Pages is the one apparently that is what caused the cuts because in Pages' death, um, it it's not different. 
it, it's still the drill, but the dr- he drills in way more times and she's yeah. struggling under the water for a lot longer. And you kind of have a scene where part of the scene where he's drilling, drilling, drilling. And then he just kind of stands there and just watches her for a while, just watches her suffer while she's bleeding for a while. Out of yeah, damn. Um, so it's, again, the sadistic part of it, but he's enjoying yeah. it way too much. Um, and a little behind the scenes with... Um, so I read about um, Jamie Blanks and um, he said that several people were injured on set. Um, oh, damn. Um, because mainly he said due to producers. So uh, one of the producers apparently was was getting so involved with it, and this is what caused the cuts and things to be changed in the films. And yeah. Kind of, he blames some of it on the producer for this because the, this producer insisted that his son was the one that gets to play Cherub. So his the producer's son plays the killer in the film. Uh, it's not David Boreanaz, but it's some yeah. actor playing the role in there. Um, yeah. And the scene, the scene where Rufy, um, when she's first trying to escape, she hits him with a pool cue over the head. Yeah. Um, and that pool cue, um, it was meant to be cut. And this, this is one of the producer's job to make sure that certain things are all in place, ready to go. And he didn't yeah. check. And oh. so the pool cue wasn't cut. So it didn't break when it hit him with full force. They smashed him in the head and literally like oh. cracked his head open and caused a concussion for the, his son. <laughs> um, and the other one was, um, and he kind of really blames it for this, um, for Paige's death. Um, yeah. The, the Paige's death, basically the producer insisted that whoever is the stunt double for her getting thrown into the hot tub had to have the body of Denise Richards. So instead okay. of getting an actual stunt woman, the direct Jamie Blanks says that basically this producer spent several days of the production basically interviewing strippers oh, who wow. would have the body of Denise Richards. And he says he doesn't know what <laughs> happened because he wasn't part of these rooms and, and conversations. But he basically spent days doing strippers. So a, a stripper with no stunt, who wasn't a stunt woman of any kind, had no training. She was the one who was thrown into the hot tub basically oh, wow. hired as a stripper and um she when she was thrown in her face hit one of the jets on the hot tub oh, and her face yeah. got slightly cut up on the so part hell. of her face was cut up on the jet of the hot tub yeah um, so all of that you know all of that kind of mentioned apart from that you know he said that Denise, he said like Denise Richards, he said was great. And she did all of her stunts, yeah. even though she gets a bad rep. He said that she was great. She literally said like Denise Richards said, I'm happy to do all of this. I'm happy to be put inside that hot tub. I'm happy to be closed in. She said she'd just been doing James Bond for three months where she spent like three, she spent three days straight inside, inside some kind of water tank. So she was like, this doesn't bother me at all. I'll get off. Yeah, yeah. So he was really like good about the cast, but he, he just said like the producers like at every step were just like fucking them, <laughs> like constantly fucking things <laughs> up. So they were delaying production and they had to cut things out of the film. And yeah, so it just sounds like a right pain in the ass. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I mean it would to get it would back have been great to see some, yeah. Sorry, what were you Come saying? On, it would have been great <laughs> to see some of these extended kills, to be honest. And it's a shame because it doesn't seem like you know it's got a cult status um, and I think the film is a lot more fondly remembered now. You know, critics always seem to pan horror films, let's be honest, but people who actually like watching horror films will, you know, probably go back and watch this and remember it and have quite fond memories of it. So, it, I, but it doesn't seem like it's got to get a, a re-release or, you know, 
a, an extended cut. So it's kind of a shame. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, and the weird thing is that I got to be honest. The, as I've mentioned, I've told you all the uncuts, and there's not a huge amount of difference. If you watch them on YouTube, it almost feels like there's not any difference. It's not until yeah. I went back and watched each scene side by side that I noticed the difference. Really, only Rufy's was the only one I really noticed, mu- like yeah. a, a bit more of a violent death. The rest of them just seemed like like seconds difference so i can't say it's like a major loss to the film but it also at the same time it's like then what was the point it's not going to change it doesn't change anything yeah about the that's film. It, it um so you know um so yeah we get the whole the, to build into the thing and kind of i think one or two bits there's not much to them we get dorothy and kate who are fighting they're getting into a fight over about who, who the killer could be still yeah um and then we get kate who goes outside and um she sees a phone on the side I've been getting the name wrong. It's not Detective Hardcastle. It's Detective Bourne is the character. I was going to say Detective Hardcastle. The hell? Yeah, I don't know where Hardcastle came from. Um, but yeah. Vaughn's head is in the pond, the fish pond. But, but it's also got the IOU that uh, oh, yeah. Kate gave to um, Adam earlier in the film. Um, yeah. And obviously, I think at this point, uh, she's seen Adam drinking, hasn't she? Yeah, he's been, he's already been drinking. He's been acting a bit off. He's been act, he's like popped up occasionally again to kind of, oh no, he's at the party. He couldn't be him, kind of thing. Like, yeah, Rufy's only just died, and here he is, kind of thing. Um, yeah. So we get those little things, but we this is very much the part when we start to feel like the reveal is kind of coming because they do that weird kind of strange slow dance, which is yeah. again, I thought this is when we saw his nose bleed. I thought this was the reveal scene, but it's not. No, I think what we see here is he says something. I can't remember the exact quote he says, but it is something about how long he's waited to dance with her or something. So we get, you know, a little hint yeah, that he's of... he's Jeremy Melton because he says, you know, will we, are we finally having this dance or something like that? And you're a bit like, boy, boy yeah. what's going on here? She gets thrown off and she nuts him. <laughs> and then she legs it. And this is when we kind of get a chase. So we're already kind of suspicious um, and we get cool shots of like, as I said before, like Rufy and Paige's dead bodies as, as she's making her way through the house. Um, and Kate, this is just, uh, this is one part. Of, so she walks into just a room and it just so happens there's a cabinet with guns, you know, because America. <laughs> America. I think, no, it is mentioned, I think, late, earlier in the film, something to do with her dad having guns upstairs. I did. I, I, I've, I'm sure the second time I watched it, I remember I still, something about. I still stick by. Saying, it's such a weird, you know. This is just such an American. Could like, yeah. Oh, there's, there's a room with guns, <laughs> a whole choice of guns for you, you know, America. Yeah, it's America. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, again, and this this is where we mentioned earlier about the score. This is where it really started to me to sound like Marco Beltrami's Scream soundtrack, uh, score. It's very, yeah. it, it just plays in such a similar way. And, you know, as the one, as one last thing, it is a little bit, you know, a buildup of all these characters. And then you end, the, the finale ends on a party. You know, it is very much that. It's got kind of yeah. that similar layout of that kind of scream, whodunit kind of style. Um, yeah. And, oh, we get, this well, is when uh, Cherub reappears. Yeah, this this is the so I mean this is the main point of contention for me, I guess, is um the cherub reappears 
um, and then uh, kind of goes for uh, goes for Kate, and then they roll, they fall down the stairs, um, and then just as the kind of cherub killer is uh, kind of getting about to get up, um, Mister David Boreanaz comes down the stairs and shoots him, yeah. and then we're like, okay, you know, you're safe. Um, and then, uh, then we get the reveal that Cherub Killer is Dorothy. You know, oh, that's the red. You know, oh, it must be. You know, and then obviously, as um, kind of David Boreanaz is comforting Kate and says, you know, may- people maybe have all this pent up anger. You know, they have to do something with it, and kind of, you know, does it. Then his nose starts to bleed onto. You know, well, that's the final Kate. shot of the film, isn't that's it? That's the final his nose, shot. His nose bleeding, but the, uh, you said about a point of contention. Uh, for me, it's it's the slightly confusing nature as to whether I know the idea is that I I now understand yes that it's meant to be that he was setting Dorothy up for what she'd done to him. I, I I totally get that, but the problem is at the same time I feel like a general audience viewer would have seen this and been a bit confused as to whether it was. Again, scream style. Whether this was two killers, where Dorothy was yeah. a killer and he's a killer, so we get a, it's a bit confused. I think it's a little bit confusing because it's a bit like how the why the hell is Dorothy in the costume? And that's my uh, main thing is why is Dorothy in the costume? If she'd been dead, as in as if because when she comes out, there's no real like he's not there at that point in time. He's he's disappeared for a second. He hasn't caught up with Kate. Um, yeah. So there was every possibility, you know, when when it comes out the door, that it was actually him behind who pushes Dorothy and Kate over the ledge. If you see what I mean, they could have yeah. played that it, he's that Dorothy's already dead. She was already dead the whole time, and when pushed, the problem is that she then goes to get up. So it's yeah. like, ha, like I guess she could have been knocked out or something, but then getting thrown off the stairs is not going to help her wake up again. No. And that's it's it's a little bit hard to believe that she somehow ended up in that costume while she was still awake or alive, kind of thing. Yeah, that's my main thing. That's the point of contention for me is because when I first watched it, I was you know um, did the first rewatch uh, to record this. I was like, oh, so was Dorothy in? A, you know, was Dorothy in it? Was Dorothy along with it all, the, all the time? And now because I always. You, I always remember the end of the nosebleed and David Boreanaz being Jeremy Melton. And I was thinking, okay, so had they conducted this plan together to get revenge and now he's blaming it on her? Is that what's happening? Yeah. But we haven't had many clues towards no. that. So I was kind of like, so why is she in it? You know? So, I mean, that's for me, it's just the main thing. It's kind of like, well, it's the only he question put her left in there? there. Why is yeah. she? Yeah, it's, it's the question that's left, I guess. And it's not. And a lot of online things just say that it was all a plan for, you know, to, to frame Dorothy. So making her yeah. look like she's in the costume, which, if that's the case, it's just the fact that it might work better if if all you heard was a gunshot. And then when Kate came down the, the bottom of the stairs, there stood him and the dead body of the cherub killer on the ground where he's already shot her, you know? Yeah. Because then we know that Dorothy definitely, 100%, clearly you can tell, no, okay, Dorothy definitely isn't. Like, we know at the end, oh, he's lied and he swapped costumes and put it on her yeah. and he shot. But because of the way they play it out, it just it's just not very clear. Um, another thing that was a little bit unclear for me is also, um, is just if Kate was ever really in danger, I don't know if she ever really was. 
Um, no, I don't think. I, I know he's is. unstable, but I feel like he may have actually properly fell. Like he'd obviously been building this plan for a long time, but it seems more in a weird way he was trying to control and protect Kate. Um, That's what my impression. Instead my of impression trying is to kill that. Her. Yeah, my impression is that he's not there to kill her. He's there to because she was she was never unkind to him. Yeah, you know. So that's why he's the there end... to actually be with her, but yeah, at... to get but... them off, but yeah. to kill everybody. So that's why else. at the end I was like, his nose is bleeding. So is it a case of she's in danger, as in next second he snaps her neck, <laughs> or is it a case of they now live happily ever after? Which then put me into the mind of I'm kind of split on this in my mind as to whether this was a great shock ending that should remain as that is, and because of box office and stuff, it's forever going to remain as is. Um, yeah. But it was also in my mind as to whether a great sequel could have come from this if we focus on the control and behaviour and protection and him trying to keep her, but failing, you know, as she as she gets over the events and she comes into a new life, he begins to start all of this again, but a bit more from the killer's perspective this time. You know, see what I mean? Like, I could have no, seen an I interesting see story... But I think it worked better as a standalone. That's what I think. I think it's a shock ending. Yeah, I don't think it needed a sequel. Um, I don't think there was ever planned. And I think the idea that, in the strangest way possible, Jeremy Melton wins. The bad guy wins, you know? He gets the girl. She thinks that he's a savior because she doesn't clock on about the nosebleeds or anything like that. Dorothy is the one who did the killing. You know, Jeremy Melton wins, and I like yeah. that. I think it it's, is it's a, a great closed-off story. Yeah, so it, yeah. I like that it's although, a closed-off story. You know, it doesn't need a sequel. Although, to, sorry to, to side cut you a bit. In the same interview, um, Jamie Blanks did say that he had planned a sequel to Valentine. Okay, 2. so and oh, um, Valentine Two would have been Jeremy Melton now getting revenge on the bullies that did that to him. So the bullies okay. would have did so it would have been more of a male centric film, the sequel. The boys, yeah. I possibly okay. paying Kate into that, or I don't know whether it would have been revealed that Kate actually, you know, they tried to make it work, but he's too much of a serial killer and he and he's slit off. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not yeah, so... He's already done that. He likes different ways of killing, so I don't know. Yeah. Threw off a bridge. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, um, it, but, it yeah. could have worked, maybe. But I mean, like I said, I, I like that it's a closed story that Jeremy Melton yeah. Does yeah. you know it's not kind of it's not cool. a film where I'm you know some films you look at it and go oh, I really wish they'd made that sequel. This yeah. isn't one of those films, and it's not because it's not a film I enjoy. It's because I think the ending works so well that sometimes you don't need a sequel. It's the same reason that I love all the Halloween sequels. But if we'd only ever got Halloween, that would have worked perfectly yeah. fine. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, to build on that, I do think that I, I think. If people haven't seen it, then you shouldn't have listened. But at the same time, you should go and see it because it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a really like fun ride of a film. And I think it has some clever inventive parts that rise it above some other, let's say, scream, whodunit, slasher, ripoff kind of films of the same yeah. era. No, I'm with you on that. I think it's um I think it it is an underrated slasher. I think the the fact that it it doesn't need a sequel and it's not one of those ones where it teased a sequel or anything like that i think plays into its strength you know it's got inventive kills it's got a great cast soundtrack's good you know it has some really good set pieces um i just think overall it 
it's a really strong kind of one, and I can see why it's gathered a cult status. Um, and I guess, as always, you know, um, if you what we'll do, I'll jump over to the social media lounge quickly. I keep forgetting yeah. about the social media lounge, <laughs> um, just because you know, um, as always, I like to kind of see what what people are, uh, what the general consensus on the films are. Um, and I had I had a few back, um, and uh, you know. Uh, um, epic film guys said that you know they saw it in the theaters on opening weekend um and they still watch it every year on valentine's day with the wife um british murders said bloody great film um and um, Mag- magnum inominate lydia said the first time they watched it they enjoyed it and they thought the death of the iron was pretty solid uh, not, they said they're not sure how well it would hold up um, and they get the feeling it would kind of be similar to a rewatch of Urban Legends. Um, I kind of told them that I found it, it you know, it held up quite well. Um, but as always, you know, if you've enjoyed the show, um, come and let us know what you thought about uh, Valentine um, at on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at CMDH Podcast. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, then hit that subscribe button um, and we will see you um friday the 18th for the new texas chainsaw massacre um hold tight and um have a good valentine's day